Welcome to Empowering Connections, a podcast by Connie Akins, a licensed professional counselor with a private practice to help you heal your personal and professional relationships through counseling advice, tips, and ideas. Empowering Connections will focus on healthy ways to improve these relationships, help you manage your stress, and attain a better sense of self-fulfillment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I have a special guest with me, Dr. Melanie Ricarte, who is the Clinical Director of Harmony Holistic. She is a licensed psychologist, certified asset sex therapist, and asset certified sex therapy supervisor. Dr. Ricarte is fluent in Spanish, both written and spoken, and welcomes the opportunity to work with Spanish-speaking clients. She is an advocate and educator and therapist who focuses her work on issues related to human sexuality, marriage equality, and human rights. Would you like to say anything else, Dr. Ricardi? Thank you for having me, Connie. This is very nice to talk to you again. Um, I guess the only thing I'll add is that my practice is in Bethesda, Maryland. And like you mentioned, we focus a lot of our work on sexuality, on working a lot with um, the LGBT community, with diverse individuals and couples from different backgrounds and religions. So a lot of our work really focuses on diversity and uh, work, welcoming anyone who's interested in receiving services. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to jump right into our topic, which is women and sex. We talked last week about what is sex therapy. And so today we're just going to focus on females. Dr. Ricardi, how might a woman's feelings about sex impact their self-esteem? So that is definitely a complex question. I think, um, so much of who we are and how we perceive ourselves as sexual beings is influenced by the messages that we received early in our childhood and from our culture. So I think a lot of those messages then impact a woman's self-esteem, her comfort with sexuality, her self-confidence, the way she communicates sexual needs and sexual desires, and um, how she also connects with other people in a sexual manner. Okay, awesome, awesome. And, you know, when I think about women and their self-concept around sex, I think about the Me Too movement and how women who have suffered sexual assault were actually afraid to come forward and afraid to talk even about what they had experienced and that movement gave a whole lot of women an opportunity to open up and be more frank about some of their experiences, both positive, but mostly negative, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I think it also just gave women the concept of being able to open up and talk about sex. So, right. you know, my other question is what makes women afraid to talk about sex? I think like you're mentioning, especially with the Me Too movement, there's uh, uh, there used to be and still continues to be maybe less so since this movement, this sense that sex is a taboo topic and that women in particular are not supposed to talk about it. Sometimes maybe uh, women would be afraid to come forth and talk about it because of these negative experiences and how they may be perceived. 
but also consistent cultural messages that uh, about, for example, virginity and women's worth being centered on that. And the idea that in people's homes, for example, sex is not something to be talked about. Sex is something to feel anxious about parents possibly never expressing much physical affection in front of their children, right? So all that sends the message of this is not okay to talk about. This is not something that, and especially this is not something that quote unquote, nice girls or nice women talk about. Right, right. I agree with you. I think that a lot of women grew up with the concept of it's taboo. You shouldn't talk about it. If you do talk about it, you feel shamed in some type of way. And so how do women's values around sex affect their self-worth? So I think some of that depends on, you know, the like we were talking about the messages that we received. But I think when I think about values, I specifically think about um the world, the word worldview, right? So values can be negative or they can be positive or they can be neutral. And if a woman has, uh, for the most part, neutral, let's say view of sex, she may be able to have some openness and, and, and ability to explore and, and not necessarily a yes or no idea about sex being good or sex being bad. But if the value is um, sex is supposed to be just, you know, um, after marriage or sex is supposed to be shameful or sex is supposed to be painful uh, messages along those lines, then it very, very much influences how a woman then carries herself in the world and what she might be able to allow herself to experience both from a pleasure and openness perspective, but also from a sense of connection to other people. That's true. And I think that a lot, a lot of the values, like you said, it came from messages that they received as children. Um, oftentimes not able to even ask questions about sex. Um, parents having a lack of perhaps um, vocabulary to mm -hmm. uh, discuss sex and depends on which generation like you said, taboo. Um, a lot of people are, they learn about sex in like a health ed class mm -hmm. um, in school. And so it's part of a school curriculum. And, you know, there's limited um, knowledge about what you can say in those classrooms. And so I think that the younger generation is probably has more knowledge because they have access to technology to um, to get more knowledge about sex. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. But even that needs some type of guidance. So mm -hmm. the other question that I had was how do cultural values around sex impact misconceptions about a woman's sexuality? And I think you touched on that when you said... Um, the part about shame and the part about um, being a virgin. Right, right. So these specific messages very much often lead women to feel like this is how I'm supposed to behave. These are the rules and this is the boundary within which 
I'm allowed, right? The keywords allowed or should behave. And whenever we in, begin to internalize words like allowed or should, we begin to close off other doors and other possibilities for ourselves. Right. And with, I, I would even go as far as to say that some cultures, um, and maybe I'm even thinking more like um, ethnic cultures have different traditions around sexuality, um, how you should present yourself as a woman. Uh, Once again, talking about shame. um, I remember when I was growing up as a teen, teen pregnancy, which is the result of sexual activity, was very, very, very frowned upon. And a generation after me exploded with uh, teen moms. And I even worked with an agency that serviced teen mothers. But a lot of their identity and self-concept was based on shame. They were ashamed Mm -hmm. of their behavior. Um, Girls were being sent away to like girls' homes and group homes away from their family because of the stigma around having sex. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think like, what is the message beneath all of that, right? Okay, one, you're a teen mom. What did you do, right? This is wrong. Now you're kind of an outcast of society, even though we never really put in much effort to teach you (laughs) about your body, about how to protect yourself, about pleasure, about um, all the many different ways to connect to someone sexually that don't involve, (laughs) you know, penovaginal penetration. So when teenagers don't know all these different things and then society blames them for engaging in behaviors that, you know, come natural to humans, but then uh, over which they don't necessarily have a lot of control, but then they also, you know, don't have a lot of information. Guess what? Teenage pregnancy rates are going to be high, right? Whether you don't provide information, you don't provide knowledge and you shame people, then people go and hide. People do whatever people are going to do. And sex is part of being human, but just in secrecy and taking all sorts of risks. Right. And that's the sad part. So this question, actually, the next question, which is how might having a high or low libido change how a woman is viewed? And I thought of that because I was having a conversation um, with a friend and basically, you know, the friend is married and she was like, I, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> mm. And I was thinking to myself, hmm, how does that, you know, how does her husband view her? What kind of reaction did she think um, I was going to have about her sexuality? And why are women um, judged based on having either even a high or low libido? Why why are women viewed differently? Right. Actually, Emily Nagotsky touches a lot on this on her book, um, Come As You Are. It's uh, wonderful. That idea that if a woman has a low sex drive, then she's considered frigid, right? Or if a woman has a high sex drive, it's like, oh my gosh, she's a nympho, right? Or she's a slut. So there's all these incredibly pejorative terms used for women 
either way, right? So there's like no winning in some ways. So those pejorative words, those pejorative labels, of course, impact a woman's ability to experience her natural sexuality and feel safe and comf- uh, confident in it, whatever it might be. And also, if she wants to kind of shift it in some sort of ways, because there's so much shame around it, she may not even be comfortable seeking out the tools to figure out exactly how she wants to approach sex. So, I think it does often create this lose-lose situation for women when it comes to their desire, unless it's like right at this somehow magical level, <laughs> then it's it's wrong. Indeed. And, and I hope you ladies are listening to what Dr. Ricardi is saying about your libido and also about the book that she recommended. And I feel like women should be open to discussing what they want in their relationships. And so, you know, why are women afraid to discuss their sexual desires? Do you think it's because of the shame or or just because of their libido? What is it? I honestly think it's a mix of different things. Shame, lacking the language or models that taught them how to do that. If you never watched your parents or an adult figure talk to another adult or to you about sex in an open, expressive way, how are you supposed to know how to do that? <laughs> right? So if you never learn how to communicate with your partner, it's almost this trial and error process that with it comes a sense of fear of rejection, right? Heightened anxiety, freeze responses that make people just really nervous about how a partner might respond to needs or, or to wants. And of course, a whole idea of, oh, if I express this, Will I be viewed negatively by my partner? Will they think I'm a slut? Will they, you know, think um, I know more than I do? All these different things. So sometimes it's about even hiding identity from a partner for fear of, of what being known may trigger in the other person. And that can be really sad, right? Because sometimes being vulnerable is what's most connecting between people. Absolutely. I believe in the power of vulnerability And, you know, it's really sad that when you work with couples and they have issues around their sexuality and mating, that they are actually afraid to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're afraid to talk about it. They are wondering how their partner is going to view them. And I know that for a lot of um, single women, the idea of discussing past sexual history um, what do you think about that? I think for a lot of women, that's a very scary thing, right? There's a sense of like, oh, you know, my sexual history. Um, what will you think of me, right? Whether the number is, again, quote, unquote, high or low, whatever it might be, is that fear of, oh, what will my partner think of me if they specifically know my history? Because it's almost like this cultural expectation that a woman should be fantastic in bed but yet have slept with no one so how does that work right? how, how does it work for someone to like gain this amazing skills and abilities and and yet like be a virgin and have had no sexual experience so this this you know being between a rock and a hard place type of situation that makes it super hard for women to then be forthcoming about their histories 
Absolutely. I think you nailed it because a lot of women don't want to be judged and they don't want to be, you know, called out of their name. And I think it's more like a badge of honor for men Mm -hmm. to be sexually experienced. But like you said, they really want women to be virgins with no experience. And if they have experience, then they want to know too much. And it just leads into all types of difficulty. So my next question was, what type of boundaries should women have around healthy sexual contact with their partner? And that could just be like a new partner or the partner that they're married to. Sure. I think for me, like boundaries are very much, I love the, the idea of enthusiastic consent so not even just consent but enthusiastic consent the idea that uh, for women to feel comfortable being straightforward and saying yes I really want sex tonight or no I I really don't right and being able to say to their partner look when I really want sex I'll, I'll straightforwardly say it when I don't like I'll straightforwardly tell you that too and maybe as part of uh, our relationship of course like if I'm semi-open and so on we can talk about it and, and and discuss but this idea that open communication is huge when discussing boundaries and and preferences and and desires from both ends honestly both people should have boundaries and in order to know what the other person's boundaries are the only way to do that is to actually talk about it there's some wonderful for example sexual menus online and there's um, even a couple websites and apps where you can go online um, put in your specific preferences your partner will also get emailed and they put in their preferences and they kind of send you a survey of what the two of you have in common and it's a great way to start conversations along the lines of like oh these are your boundaries okay you don't want to ever do that great. Okay. Now I know you never want to do that. Okay, great. But you're open to all these things. Yay. Okay. You're open to all these different things. Now we, now we both know and understand each other. (laughs) Wow. You know, when you said that it brought up the, the movie, um, what was it? 50 shades of gray. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought about how he basically gave her a list Mm -hmm. of things that she would be willing to do or not willing to do. And because of the type of movie that it was, I think a lot of people thought it was odd. And I don't think people have often seen the value (laughs) in discussing what their sexual desires are. And I would say, especially women, I haven't haven't seen that. So that's interesting. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's how the movie portrays it, right? Right. He gives her the list of the things he's into. She crosses them out. But when does she hand him a list of like, here's the things that I kind of like doing or not, you know? So very interesting, that power dynamic and and the the idea of (laughs) gender roles and so on that the movie depicts. And to some degree, I think that's often what happens in relationships. You know, men are like, oh, I love this. I want to try this and, and so on. While she might be like, uh, I don't know. I had like all these other things, but I've never been taught how to communicate that. So is it okay for me to say it? Is it not? There's a lot of anxiety around that. Right. And I think until women start feeling more confident, which is my last question, 
they're going to run into some of these concerns about their own sexuality and the need to express who they are as a fit, as a feminine. Mm-hmm. And so how can women become more sexually confident? What can they do? I think so. Uh, the book that I recommended is a wonderful, wonderful one. So come as you are is wonderful in terms of exploring your sexuality. Um, I think meeting with a sex therapist, you know, to talk about some of the, the things around your background and culture and so on that impact your sexuality is a great thing. But in general, exploring your body, exploring readings, talking about the different experience you've had with partners, with friends, right? Is a wonderful way for a woman to begin to feel more confident because it's something like, think about any sport. The more you do something, the better you become at it. So the more you express sexual needs the more you explore them within yourself the more comfortable you are around sexuality and sexual expression so a lot of it is about taking a little bit of a risk and and exploring exploring things within yourself within your body and then if you have a partner without other person but honestly girlfriends and and guy friends and so on can be a great way to have these conversations too Absolutely. Absolutely. So once again, can you give us um, maybe another book recommendation and tell us how we can follow you on Instagram? So one, if there's, uh, you know, um, male listeners <laughs> that are there as well, especially as we're thinking about female sexual pleasure, um, one of my favorite books is actually She Comes First. So it really is about also teaching <laughs> male partners or, you know, uh, anyone who has sex with women uh, about the clitoris and about oral sex and about uh, connecting in that way. And I think it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful book. And I, they even have an audio book, but I, I definitely say get, get the paper book because there's some, some pictures and so on. So as we're talking about female sexuality, I think thinking about female sexual pleasure is a great thing and, and other people knowing how to how to help women experience pleasure would be wonderful. So that, that would be the second book I recommend. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Ricardo, for joining me today. Thank sure. You. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. We'll have to do this again. Yes, for sure. Thanks. The Empowering Connections podcast is not intended to replace the need for a professional counseling relationship. This podcast does not constitute professional advice or counseling services. As always, if you need mental health services, please seek a qualified mental health provider. You can find Connie Akins on the websites Psychology Today and Therapy for Black Girls. If you have an iTunes or Spotify account, please subscribe, share, and continue to listen. Feel free to check out Connie Aiken's website at www.empoweringserenity.net and follow Connie on Instagram at Connie Aiken's LPC. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. We appreciate you listening to the Empowering Connections podcast and providing feedback. Stay positive.